My spider sense are tingling. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh God, no. Hey guys, and welcome back to Fortune Theory for a very special episode. Today we're going to be doing the review for Spider-Man No Way Home, just dropped in UK theatres today, December 15th. This will be a spoiler review, by the way, so if you haven't watched the movie yet, please do click off this video and go to cinemas straight away and watch it. I definitely recommend. Yeah, I will keep saying it. There will be spoilers in this review, so yeah, now is your chance to leave. Okay. Um, so I went to a staff screening this morning because I work at a cinema myself, so I got uh, one of the first chances to watch the movie. <laughs> Despite being really tired, I was blown away. It was amazing. So yeah, this film, my God, completely blown away. <laughs> Spoiler start in five, four, three, two, one. So where do we begin? Um, so obviously we pick up from where the film left off. We all know where that's going to lead. He's basically going to get in law trouble. Everyone finds out about his identity. Uh, he takes a moment to reflect on it. Flash finds out and he's a bit like, no fucking way. Like he's, you know, him of all people. But then like he, they get along because of it. Cut to all like the law courtroom kind of stuff. Matt Murdock turns up, played by Charlie Cox, officially now cast in the MCU. Our first little spoiler there for you. He only has a brief scene and pretty much the leaked descriptions um, for his scenes are completely, completely accurate um, to what actually happened in the film. Um, and the leaked footage of, uh, well, not footage, but pictures of him around the table with Happy Hogan and Aunt, Happy Hogan and Aunt May. It's all real. He's got shorter hair. It's pretty much that, I believe, is the exact same version of the character um, from the Daredevil Netflix show. So if you haven't watched those shows and you're not familiar with that character yet, I definitely go recommend watching those. Um, although they're not the average like show for the kids. So for the older audiences out there, feel free. Uh, go watch those. They're all available now to watch on Netflix seasons one through three and his appearance in Defenders as well so I believe that's like pretty much canon now and in the Hawkeye series we've got uh, Kingpin coming up in either this episode today which I still haven't watched yet um, or episode finale next week <laughs> so yeah a lot to look forward to regarding that and uh, yeah obviously we as we know from the trailers we've got the villains that pop in um, I'm surprised that a lot of them had knowledge of each other to be honest like thinking about it logically it does make sense for Octavius to know for Octavius and Norman to kind of know each other, but not necessarily know of each other regarding their super fit, super villain alter egos um, and whatnot. I didn't know how much um, in the Sam Raimi universe of things everyone knew about Norman Osborn being Green Goblin. I wasn't hugely aware of that. Um, and obviously, Green Goblin was before the time of, say, Doc Ock and Sandman. So, you know, the reference there is understandable that he doesn't know. Um, but yeah, it was just great to see these characters having to know each other and talk to each other like when they'd not really been on screen together in the previous iterations. Um, that was amazing. Um, I love that they gave Max Dillon's Electro a bit of an upgrade as well. Obviously, like he did start when he came into the universe as Blue, like depicted correctly from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 film. But then they made him more comic book accurate when he absorbed the energy and the electricity from 
um, the power cables in the MCU and then became like his proper self. That was amazing. Uh, I think Max Dunn was much better, much prefer, like he was more tolerable in this than he was in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I would definitely have to say. Um, same with Lizard as well. I thought Lizard would be a bit of a letdown, but yeah, he was—he seemed a bit more antagonistic and a bit more um, brilliant in this variation. I think a lot of the villains did, really. Um, and then we had the sad, tragic passing of one of the main characters um, of the series. Um, this is a character I kind of expected, but at the same time, it was still very much of a shock and very unexpected. Um, Aunt May, and she gets killed by um, William Defoe's Green Goblin um, after he kind of reveals that uh, the Goblin has taken over Norman and even like manipulating Norman's like kind of good side when he's not being possessed by it to be able to use that as almost like a trick. But then that's kind of like what he was doing anyway. Um, so yeah, he's like pretty much still at large regarding that. Uh, he's pretty much completely possessed by the Goblin at this point, and. Uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker basically comes up with the idea to uh, create cures for these villains so they don't have to go back to their own universes and die because Doctor Strange is trying to get them to go back to their own universes and obviously that's all shown through the trailer so we know all about that. And they have a massive, amazing fight sequence through the mirror dimension and Spider-Man basically kicks Doctor Strange's ass. He then comes up with the idea to basically find cures for all these villains so when they do return to their own universes there's no reason for them to die in battle with Spider-Man because they're not villains anymore, they don't have their powers. Uh, so the, the, their timelines would basically change. Uh, he manages to succeed with Doc Ock, uh, pretty much almost succeed with Electro, but then William Defoe's Goblin gets the better of him and uh, manipulates some of the villains, including Sandman and Lizard and Electro, and they basically just uh, go into a full frontal like assault in a Happy Hogan's like sort of secret, um, secure penthouse, almost like apartment, and. Uh, Pretty much destroy the place and sadly aren't they uh, with it um but they finally incorporated the lines with great power comes great responsibility which i've been which mcu spider-man fans have been waiting for since um that first line in civil war <laughs> it's um it just this film just gets better and better and better and uh then the next best thing was the thing which we were all hoping for the thing that we were all rumored about the worst kept secret in hollywood it came through. The other variants, the other versions of Peter Parker, the previous incarnations, the previous players, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield arrive at the scene. And, oh God, I was blown away. And I love the way they did it as well. They reveal, they're trying to bring Ned Leeds' character, uh, Jacob Batalon's character, Ned Leeds, out of his shell more. Obviously in the comics, he goes on to be Hobgoblin. Um, Turns out his family had um, ancestry, had like magic abilities. So him being able to use the sling ring and open the portals to try and find the correct Peter Parker, he ends up opening the portals to um, other, either the same dimension that they've come into, as in the MCU dimension, or their own realities. I believe it's their own realities they've stepped into. Um, actually, no, because Maguire mentioned that he's he's been here trying to track down Tom Holland. So I think he's just like found the two Peter Parkers, the two other Peter Parkers that are now in the MCU as well. Um, as of that moment and yeah it's just it's amazing to see them there like Andrew Garfield pretty much almost looks the same and uh, he sounds a lot like um, <laughs> Jonathan Marston um, but uh, oh I can't remember the name now no Larson is it Jonathan Larson um, the, the, the 
musical composer he played in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, he's like, because he's obviously played by Andrew Garford in that film. He's just, he sound him trying to play Spider-Man again. It just sounds like um, that character, that, well, I don't want to say character because he was a real person, but that person in um, Tick, Tick, Boom. So that was just, um, <laughs> that was quite funny and quite, uh, quite interesting to see like him just more confident as an actor since like having more of those big roles since obviously he played Spider-Man back in uh, 2012 and 2014. And then Maguire, he doesn't, he looks a bit different, but he doesn't look much different. He's clearly aged a little bit. And even Doc Ock says it when they interact in, at the end as well. And it was great to see some of these interactions as well. Um, and old CGI as well. They finally put a cure to some of these villains. Um, so Doc Ock obviously gets his cure. Electra gets his cure, finds out about Peter Parker. They make a reference to the idea of um, Electro thinking that Spider-Man um, might have been a black man under the mask and like wondering if there is a variant of a black Spider-Man somewhere. That's obviously a reference to Mars Morales. Um, that'll be something we'll probably definitely get in the next trilogy that's coming um, after this film. Not entirely sure now how they're going to do that, but I guess we'll have to just wait and see. Um, Sandman gets um, Maguire basically treating him so he doesn't have the sand powers anymore. And uh, they can all just respectfully turn to their universes. And then Garfield does the same to Lizard as well. Um, so we get to see Thomas Hayden Church and um, Reese Sippens um, returning officially as those characters. Because um, I couldn't tell for sure if it was them or not. Because uh, the sand was definitely all over Sandman, pretty much all body. It wasn't like he just walks around looking like his average self. It was like full on the sand. And um, same with Lizard as well. Full on, like, just the full on Lizard look. And it looked more like can't describe it just it looked better than it did in the amazing spider-man i can say that um but it looked more like there was more green on him there was more green like covering him than there was in like he looked a tad little bit more humanoid in the amazing spider-man um one whereas in this he looks a bit more lighter green and it feels like there's more layer of green on him uh, i can't describe it very well but yeah um <laughs> Um, Ned having a magical abilities. I wonder whether or not that's like a foreshadowing to him becoming Hobgoblin because of him having abilities. Like he uses that and then um, somehow gets mixed in with damage control because they've used damage control twice within this trilogy now, like in the first film and in this film as well. Um, so I don't know if he'll come across like Green Goblin's gliders or any of the tech and then he'll create a glider of his own or take inspiration to build his own or something like that, or using Spider-Man tech in the future and become Hobgoblin. God knows. That'll be something really interesting to see. I can't wait for that. That does happen within the next trilogy. Um, he doesn't know Peter Parker now either, because obviously, again, another spoiler, at the end of the film, to avoid the multiverse like completely cracking open and all the people knowing Peter Parker, Spider-Man coming in, he has Doctor Strange do a spell that makes everybody forget about Peter Parker, not just about, not, not only making people lose memory of his identity, but also just him. In general so he ends up losing pretty much everybody and everything and um i was discussing with one of my mates when we were watching it like how he's finally like form you know becoming the growing as the adult of spider-man taking his own independence into account and uh he's finding himself a cheap crappy apartment and basically moving on with his life as much as he can um trying to regain back his friends and his lovers but obviously it's not easy and making those tough choices but then at the end, he makes this awesome Spider-Man suit combined of Magu like Maguire and uh, Garfield's versions. 
and he's swinging around New York at Christmas. Like he's swinging all around the Christmas tree and all around the areas of like uh, Hell's Kitchen and whatnot, everywhere that we're basically currently in with Hawkeye at the moment. Um, which makes me beg the question if this film at that point in the timeline is set during the same time and whether or not in the episode of Hawkeye, still haven't watched that's come out today, uh, if there's a Spider-Man reference in there at all. I'd be, I don't think there will be, but just because of how close cut it all is, but you never know. I know it's going to overshadow Hawkeye today, but I will do a Hawkeye episode five review with Patrick in a couple hours after I do watch it um, as well. There was um, two post-credit scenes as well I would like to mention. Uh, one which had Venom Eddie Brock, and that's basically explained through the spell that Doctor Strange was doing earlier because Peter Parker basically broke the spell six times trying to make sure that certain people did and didn't remember and whatnot. And um, so if you count that, that's like the way it came into fault was six characters, seven, well, eight if you include the other two Spider-Men, basically came into the universe Um forming like the Sinister Six, but obviously they didn't because they didn't have the full team of like six villains. Um, but you did have the six villains that came in. So you have Green Goblin, Doc Ock, um, Sandman, Lizard and Electro. So that makes five. And then Venom, as in Tom Hardy's version, makes six. And he appears in a post credit scene explaining the post credit scene from Venom, Let There Be Carnage, of how, he, how and why he came into that universe. And then basically he's just like, that scene takes place alongside that final battle scene where they all just fade away back into their own universes. But there's a bit of the Venom symbiote that gets left behind, and I think that might be something they incorporate within the next trilogy as well. Um, they could take that in multiple ways. It could be something that Ned Leeds gets, um, obviously something that forms onto Tom Holland, Peter Parker's suit, and that's how the two characters end up meeting. Um, or he gets that, and that's how he travels to a new universe um, because of... What the what the symbiote Venom symbiote was explaining at the end of Let There Be Carnage about how he can travel across different areas of the universe and whatnot, and uh, yeah, just like so many possibilities. Like Ned Leeds could get it if I didn't say that already, and even Matt Gargan um, because he does become Venom at one point um, after he's already become Scorpion or like a Venomized version of the Scorpion character. That'd be something amazing to see. I don't think we'd get that on Scorpion's first appearance, but to be honest, like it would be sick either way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to seeing that because I consider Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock as more of a protagonist than an antagonist. So um, seeing that version be a full-on villain against Peter Parker's Spider-Man, I feel like it would be a short-lived kind of experience, if, if anything, and their conflict wouldn't be so much enemy versus enemy. It would be more like they just have a disagreement briefly. Um, a bit like the Doc Ock fight, which then felt like it was kind of redeemed when he got arrested um, by Doctor Strange um, because... Obviously, he's like, we know from the end of Spider-Man 2, he's a better character, but obviously because of traveling through the universes and no longer having control again, the arms took over. So yeah, that's why he became the villain again, basically. He reverted back to his antagonistic way for a moment. So that explains all that. <laughs> Him basically making everybody forget that he was Spider-Man was um, it's quite heartbreaking to watch, just as much as... Um, him losing his aunt was because thinking about it, he's lost everything by that by this point. But he's like, he's really grown as a character. He's not like he's really like not spoiled anymore, and he never really was anyway. But like this is definitely that point where he's like fully matured as an adult. He's making those tough choices, even if it's hard on him, even if it's in some small way hard on other people. He's understanding now like the rights and wrongs, and um, the fact that. 
after all that, even having to be stopped from killing William Defoe's Green Goblin and being saved by Tobey Maguire um, from doing it, um, that felt quite good for two reasons, because it means obviously he prevented him from killing him, which he wanted to do, but also Tobey Maguire had the chance to save Norman, had a second chance to save Norman Osborn from being impaled by his own glider, which is something he would have wanted not only for himself, because he because obviously Toby McGuire is the hero as well, but also just for the fact of Harry Osborne and everything he went through with Harry Osborne um, wouldn't have been the case if um, he knew that he would have done that or been able to have done that sooner. So he got that second chance and redeemed him from basically killed the goblin out of Norman Osborne and just went back. Norman just went back to being just Norman and they all went back to their own universes. Same with, um, and I theorized this from the trailer. I think I might've mentioned it in, my tra- in the trailer video as well, but when, um, Michelle Jones Watson, MJ, um, as we found out her official real full name is from, uh, from this like continuity is falling. Um, you see the hand come in the trailer shot and you think it's, um, Garfield's hand. Well, it was Tom Holland's hand, um, because it was edited differently in, um, the final cut, but then he gets taken away out of it from Goblin whilst he's trying to free fall to save her. And then Garfield comes in and manages to save her, redeeming himself from failing to save Gwen in his own universe, which is referenced as well. Loads of characters like May and Uncle Ben and Gwen and MJ, as in the Mary Jane Watson, are all referenced in this film as well, even if they don't all appear. Um, So they definitely get their fair share of justice. Um, Maguire even makes a reference to Eddie Brock Venom, as in Topher Grace's version. Um, as does um, Andrew Garfield with the likes of Rhino. Um, excuse me one second. <laughs> Sorry, my spider senses were tingling. My camera was going to come off. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just it's just jam packed with fan service, and it is just. I honestly think if it if it's not the best film this year, it's definitely in that top ten list for any movie go, whether they're a Marvel Spider Man fan or not. It's just amazing. And I definitely recommend, even if you don't care for spoilers and you have watched this video, I definitely go and recommend you watch it, even though I've pretty much spilt the beans on most of the crucial stuff. Um, Anyway. (laughs) As for what this means going forward, I will be doing a follow-up video to talk more about my overall reaction and thoughts regarding the film and what it means going forward. I will also be doing it with uh, three of my very experienced Marvel friends. Um, Two of of them I've done theatre, done slash doing theatre with. Um, and another very lovely lady who's one of them's girlfriend. And uh, we will be talking, we'll be breaking down the film, uh, going further, and we're talking about our predictions on the future uh, for what it holds within the next trilogy that's meant to be coming out, which is either Sony and Marvel's um, new sharing arrangement or just Sony working on their own, but with the Tom Holland Spider-Man and obviously the Spider-Man freshman year as well. Um, And we'll see where all that, which is an MCU continuity regardless. So... We'll see where all that leads um, going forward. Did I mention about the Doctor Strange post credit scene? I don't think I did. So it's a, basically a trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I had a feeling it was going to be one. Um, it's pretty much going to leak on, online, guys. But yeah, again, if you haven't watched the film, don't go snooping for spoilers. Treat yourselves. Wait for the film to be out in your region, your territory. Um, if you if it's if you don't live in the UK. Go watch it, please. It is just a masterpiece. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit my... Um, but yeah, thank you very much for tuning in, guys. I'll probably see you again in a couple hours' time. I won't be wearing this. 
at that point, um, unless you want me to. And let, let us know quickly in the comments um, if you do, if this video does happen to be out before we post our Hawkeye video. But in the meantime, I'm Oliver, and thank you. If you didn't know, it is me under this mask. <laughs> and thank you very much for tuning in to Fortune Fury tonight, guys. See you later. Oh, no, sorry, Shiroz, that lovely lady. Down.